Good morning and welcome to the April episode of the new PL Monthly Business Book Review Club. Thanks for taking the time to join us today. In this month's episode, we are speaking to Sean Wells, one of the world's leading nutritional biochemists, an expert on health optimization, and a world renowned thought leader on mitochondrial health. And we're discussing with Sean his outstanding new book, The Energy Formula Six Life Changing Ingredients to Unleash Your Limitless Potential. This series is sponsored by the Carroll Consultancy Group, who are focused on dramatically developing people, performance, and profits. So if you want to accelerate your business growth in 2021, go to carrollconsultancy.com or connect via the links in the notes that accompany this podcast. And also, if you'd like to order a copy of Sean's or any of our other guests' books, please go to the bookshop on the new PL website, principlesandleadership.com backslash bookshop. So, Sean, a very warm welcome to the new PL. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it, Paul. My pleasure. If we could just start the conversation today with you giving listeners a, a bit of an overview of who you are, what you do, and who you do it for. Yeah, I'm a, uh, well, I'm Sean Wells. I'm a biochemist, a dietitian, certified sports nutritionist. I'm known in the industry as the world's greatest formulator. I've formulated over 500 products, patented about 30 ingredients, um, including T-Cream and Dynamine, uh, which are two of the most popular energy ingredients in the world, uh, working on a number of cool things. I have a partner in China and we have a team of 100 scientists and we work on novel ingredients and mm-hmm. I speak on stage. Uh, I speak on uh, TV shows and podcasts and radio shows. My book, The Energy Formula, uh, will be out by the time this hits the airwaves. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, that'll be available at energyformula.com. That's, it's all like uh, biohacking and, and living a better life. So yeah, that'll be out soon. So to build some context for the discussion today around the energy formula of your book, mm-hmm. um, perhaps if we could just start by you explaining to me why you've written the book and why you've written it now. Well, what is the, the context that sets the scene for this book right now? A lot of it, like I was already working on it um, prior to COVID, but I've rewritten it three times because of two things, because of the, the pandemic, um, and resilience being something that is much needed yes. in discussion. And then two, I personally have been over the last year and a half going through plant medicine journeys, and those have really shifted my consciousness on health, on how I should treat myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, it shifted the idea, I, I use the word biohacking because people relate to it, but I was a biohacker for the last 20 years doing all these things to survive uh, the life I was putting in, in terms of being a workaholic, uh, in terms of having body dysmorphia at times in my life, like um, being uh, an over-exerciser, being a a lot of different things that had to do with uh, insecurity, desire for achievement, uh, a lot of these kinds of things. I've fought depression and even suicidal thoughts at, at many points in my life. And so I was doing all the biohacks and I was super knowledgeable of how to do all these things with supplements and exercise and 
peptides and blood work and all of this so I could survive what I was doing to my body. But now I'm in a very different place in terms of self-love and consciousness and growth and awareness uh, that these are now optimizations on a very healthy foundation. Um, so that, that's where it's evolved. And like the, the book, my desire to reach people and help people, not only in terms of physical biohacks, but also the mental and spiritual health, which is something I cover in the book as well. I don't really cover plant medicine per se in the book too much. That's maybe a future book, but I'm still integrating a lot of those things. But it's definitely like I rewrote the book probably three times in the in the past two years. I even recorded it once about six months ago. And because of all the shifts I've had, I even went back to re-record it again right. with new content. So I've I've just been personally shifting a lot and, and the tone of the book has shifted quite a bit just related to me and the world. And you know, the the world has like shifted a lot, not just pandemic stuff, but I mean, as you know, here in America, we had the Trump and Biden thing and Republicans and Democrats and Black Lives Matter and and mask and no mask and vaccines and no vaccines. And there's like an awakening that's happening and there's uh, fear states that are happening and we're getting put in in boxes of like, you're this thing or you're that thing. And we're not just one thing or another. And, and there's an awakening that's happening and we're becoming less dependent on media uh, whether media likes it or not, you know, and so there's just huge shifts that are happening and and that was shifting me and I wanted to put this in the book, just how to live a better life all the way around. You have six core ingredients to unleash the potential. I wondered, some some are very obvious, you know, the nutrition and routine, others perhaps less obvious, so I wondered what criteria you set to include these six. How did you decide, define on what those six were? Well, I made a list out of all the things that I thought that were critical to living a better life. And and then it came to me that I was super close to actually making the word energy because everyone wants more energy. And that's ultimately what these hacks are for is to live an energized life. And to me, that's the most desirable thing. You can talk about, you know, mental health and physical health and living a longer life and, you know, all these kinds of things. But ultimately, if you just say, do you want more energy? That's what people are looking for. Yeah. And so <clears throat> I ended up looking at all these ways to have more energy, which would include things like you're saying, like exercise and nutrition. And I thought, well, it's really important to have circadian rhythm uh, that's a critical piece that a lot of people ignore that would include things like quality sleep and morning routines and, and how our body works with, you know, the, the sleep-wake cycle and the day-night mm-hmm. cycle. So that became routines. And then obviously like having resilience, which is the through line in the book, it's one thing to have it physically, which I cover, but it's also a huge component to have it mentally. Yeah. And most successful people have two things in common. They have the morning routine, which I cover in routines, and they have the reframing mindset, which I cover as stoicism and and, uh, and in the growth chapter. So then I started looking at all this stuff and it's like, 
and then tribe like meant a lot you know like the the uh the greatest study of all time from harvard is uh an 80 year study that the number one predictor of longevity is quality of relationships and then you look at the blue zones for longevity these areas where people live over a hundred supercentenarians and what they have in common is that they have purpose they have a why they have connection they have community and it's more important than like peptides and enemas and all these other things like that you know biohackers are talking about yes these people don't have any of those things but they're living past a hundred so then your then it's like well how do I make this work like this is almost the word energy and then I made your tribe with the why and uh and so all the pieces are there it's like experiment nutrition exercise routines growth and your tribe so it just kind of evolved and became the word energy and I thought it would be easier to remember if it's an acronym and and uh I'm just so happy with where the book's at like like I said like six months ago when I read it I thought it was like a B plus. And then I, I went back with some of my new learnings and new shifts. And, and now I feel like it's an A plus. It's full color, front to back, yeah. uh, nearly 400 pages, uh, has these resource hacks that cover uh, like all the devices and techniques and you know equipment and different things. If you wanna get into that apps um, you know, breathwork techniques, all those things like, and then there's uh, formulators corners that get into the different supplements, the doses, the forms, the brands, there's 60 full color diagrams. Uh, there's chapter summaries that are bulleted after each chapter. There's surveys at the beginning of each chapter where you can assess like your, your uh, improvement and your baseline. So it's just chock full of stuff over a hundred scientific citations. You sign up at energyformula.com, you get the a fasting for energy guide that's like 25 pages that covers like extended fast, what it looks like for women, all those different things. And then there's a hidden chapter on natural movement. It's like ancestral natural movement. And so, and that like I pulled in like about six experts, uh, physical therapists, chiropractors, et cetera, to all like review that. Um, and it's just amazing. Like, I'm just really excited about where the whole thing's at and the value proposition for it. It's $1.99 to get all that stuff that I talked about as the yeah. ebook. And it's $39.99 to get the hardcover, but it cost me $39.80 to make it because it's literally full color front to back, like a textbook and has tons of diagrams and pictures and all this mm -hmm. stuff. So I'm just really happy with it, where the whole thing's at. And I think um, I'm not making any money on it. It's just all about um, what I've been through in my life and, and helping people now. You mentioned one of the core threads that underpin the energy acronym and the energy formula was resilience. When I read through the book, another that I guess for me underpinned was time. You know, we need time to exercise, time to practice the the mindfulness that can lead to a growth mindset, time to plan out the right nutritional program and so on. But time is one of those things that many of us claim not to have, or certainly we don't have enough of. So how do we reframe our perceptions of time to first give ourselves the real opportunity to embrace the energy formula, to give ourselves a space to breathe and embrace it? Mm. That's a great question. And, and it's one that uh, has been challenging for me in this book launch. You know, I'm talking a lot about energy 
And yet, am I making enough space for myself during this book launch? Uh, because, you know, you want to like put your, your best foot forward and I easily fall into a workaholic mode. Mm-hmm. And so that is a great question. And one of the things that got brought up to me when I was at this journey this past weekend was there's a difference between resting and relaxing. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of us rest so that we can keep going. It's kind of like uh, pulling into the pit stop. You know, if you're a race car driver and, you know, they're throwing on the tires and they're, you know, doing a fueling back up, but the engine's running and then you pull off quickly because you, you, you got to keep going, yeah. keep going. That's, that's resting. That's not relaxing. Relaxing is just being, yeah. leaving creative space allowing yourself space to manifest allowing space for great things to come into your life allowing yourself to meditate to deeply breathe to have gratitude to have affirmations and all those things to some people like me that are workaholics those things sound ridiculous or woo or a waste of time i promise you they're not Mm -hmm. number one if anyone talked to you like you talked to you you wouldn't be their friend you're the most important voice in your life. You need to be the most important advocate in your life. Everything that's happening in your life is not the world's fault, is not anyone else's fault. It's your responsibility. Take ownership of, ownership of that. Have sovereignty over that. And you can have incredible power. You can have all the things that you want in your life if you take ownership of them. Mm-hmm. But as long as you keep putting out that it's not my responsibility or that sucks, that's not my fault, and you're constantly reframing negatively instead of reframing positively, you know, like these incredible people, the Elon Musks of the world, like I said, they have in common that they reframe positively. They see the opportunities in things. They're the optimists. But most of us aren't even seeing things realistically, let alone positively. We're seeing things negatively. We're saying, oh, that sucks. Figures, of course, happens to me. You know, so what what are you doing? Like this is this is why like meditation and affirmations and gratitude are so critical because it can literally reshape your life where you have the five amazing people around you that are mentors, mm-hmm. that you're a product of, where your voice is the inner champion and not the inner critic where you're constantly reframing positively and you become the author of your book, the director of your movie. Like these pieces you need to leave time for. Mm -hmm. And when you're not leaving time for them, you're just heads down and you're surviving and you're grinding. And when you're grinding, there's pieces breaking up, there's heat and there's smoke. But when you're thriving, when you're heads up, you know, that's when you're living your best life. That's when, you know, people say, oh, you know, I wish those things happened to me. You're not leaving space for those things to happen to you. You're not heads up, you're heads down. We're in the right place, right time, all the time. We're just not aware of it. And when you're heads up, you can be aware of it. There's so many people that you need to meet, so many people that could have an impact on your life, so many things that could be happening around you, but you're just not aware of it. Your head's down and you're surviving. So in, in addition to, to that inner voice and that need to have head up rather than head down, we, 
We also live in a world where we expect an immediate or a quick solution to many of the challenges and the questions we have. And you now we can all think about the frustration that abounds when a smartphone doesn't deliver the search in, in one second, or we look for pills as a quick fix solution to whatever ails us. How do we encourage patience and sustain commitment over time? Those things that are needed for the energy formula within a, within a cultural paradigm that, that looks for instant gratification, if you like. Yeah, that, that's a great question. And, you know, something that I struggled with most of my life too, with the achievement workaholic driven aspect of myself that I resonated deeply with the word biohacking because I wanted it quick and I wanted to hack things out mm -hmm. and I wanted them out of my body and I hated my body and I felt like my body was always betraying me. I wanted more from my body. I wanted more from my life. And I was just constantly disappointed with myself and wanting hacks. And so I learned tons of things uh, that are covered in the book and that are amazing. But again, that shift to where you view them to me now as optimizations and on top of a solid foundation is a huge difference. Um, so to me, you know, what's important that I cover in like experiment, the first chapter is that you do one thing at a time. Mm -hmm. That's the scientific method. So, and you do it with knowledge, you know, you get testing, you're working with a functional medicine doctor, you're working with these surveys in the book, you know, you're getting data points that you can work from knowing that the data points will change, knowing that they're not um, perfect. Yeah but you, it's directional, it's helpful. And so you change one thing at a time, you try this one supplement, you try this one type of exercise, you, you know, like the things that are all in this book, like you just start doing one at a time, maybe for a week, see how it works for you. Yeah. And then you just keep, if it works, add that into your routine, then go to the next thing. And it's just like you're saying, like leaving that space for that and granting yourself grace to try things, to explore things and see this works for me. This, this doesn't work for me. And that's okay. That's okay. Like now I'm clear on that. Like it's like Edison talked about that. There's no failed uh, experiments, you know, that now I know what it's not. Mm -hmm. So you're getting clearer on what works for you and what doesn't work for you. And over time, that becomes a, a better and better process where you're, you become more aware of your body, more attuned to your body. Most people right now are not that attuned. We're drowning out a lot of these signals, the pain, the inflammation, the frustration, the anger, all of these things is because we're not attuned to our body. And we're not aware of why this is happening. You mentioned a lot about the, the shifts you've gone through in the last 12 months yourself, and that's prompted the, the rewrites of the book or the adding to the book. The challenges of the last 12 months have demonstrated, I think, to many of us that as challenging as it has been, that we're actually far more resilient than perhaps we give ourselves credit for. And I wondered whether you thought that the daily, the subtle daily resilience that many of us have had to manifest through the course of the pandemic has almost unwittingly created a, an untapped well of potential that we could now potentially unlock as we start to come out of the pandemic. And if you, if you felt that, what's your advice as to, as to how all of that resilience that's been manifested and 
sits inside of us now through the last 12 months, how do we start to get that out and turn it to our advantage? Yeah, these are great questions. Um, that, that's a powerful one, that, that we, are, we are far more resilient than we give ourselves credit for. And I would say over the last couple hundred years, if resilience is anti-fragile, if resilience is being harder to kill, if you look at it evolutionarily, we become more fragile, more easy to kill because we're less resilient with, with the temperature being controlled all day long, right? Like in our, in our home, in our car, at the office, like we're just at room temperature all day, every day. And then we can eat all day, every day. We don't go a day or two or three days without eating anymore. Yeah. And so we don't have, <clears throat> we don't have the cert gene activation that I talk about in the book, the sirtuin genes uh, that are really the toughness genes, the resilience genes that are associated with anti-aging, but also anti-fragility and greater resilience. Yeah. And we don't have as much of what I talk about in the book as the allostatic load bucket, the stress bucket like where we can take on more physiologic and mental stress. And that's where doing things like cold plunges and red light saunas and mm -hmm. fasting and keto and uh, you know all of these things make us tougher. That said, I do believe that with this great awakening that we're experiencing, we're becoming more aware of our health. We're becoming more aware of what's coming into our brains we're seeing that we're getting manipulated by social media, by the news, and by people that profit from us, these drug companies, all these people that have an angle to make money and keep us controlled. But there's an awakening that's happening that's strengthening us. And we're now seeing how important relationships are. We're now seeing how important sunshine and grounding is. And we're now seeing that you know, that working out is, is critical to our, you know, health and well-being. Because now we've seen the extreme ends of like being isolated, of being sterilized, of not exchanging microbiomes, of not getting exercise, of being in fear of all of these things. And we've seen how unhealthy people have gotten. And not, not just with COVID-19, I mean unhealthy, of just depression and suicidal thoughts and spousal abuse and losing jobs and immune systems being dramatically down from the sterilization and isolation and all of this stuff we've now seen and now people are taking all of this very seriously. Our rights, our ability to be outside and connect with each other, all of that stuff is becoming so important. And I feel like resilience is the message right now. And people are bringing it to the forefront and people are much stronger than they give themselves credit for. Yeah. And we're seeing that now. We're seeing our strength as a species. And it's, it's a beautiful time right now. There's a, there's a bifurcation right now, I believe, of people that are getting more and more controlled and buying into fear and there's people that are like really waking up, mm -hmm. you know, call it woke, call it whatever, but there is an awakening and it's, and it's a movement. And there's a lot of people that are seeing it and saying, no, I'm going this other way. And it's a, it's a massive, it's a massive movement. And I'm sure it's the people that are listening to your show. 
Yeah. You know, it's, it's a beautiful time right now. It's a time unlike any other. I, I heard someone say that we're evolving from uh, hum, uh, uh, homo sapiens to homo luminous. It's like there's literally an evolution that's happening right now where it's an enlightening and awakening. It's a new evolution inflection point. And so that's exciting. So I'd like to explore that a little bit more because one of the sections that I was really interested in in your book was when you talked about the autonomic nervous system and you looked at synthetic responses and parasympathetic responses. Um, the first is engaged by fight or flight energy and the second by rest and, and relaxation and digestion. And the first is supposed to be triggered and come and go. But we live in a world, as you said in your book, where violence on TV and smartphones and so many other things are forcing us more and more in many respects to, to have fight or flight energy as the default rather than the exception to the rule. And I wondered how we, I guess, first, what is the long-term effect of largely operating in the sympathetic section of the autonomic nervous system? And B, how do we reduce this in, in a world where, despite what we've just discussed, the response is still demanded all of the time. We are still in some shape or form demanded by our cell phones, demanded by our business, demanded by television and the, the multiple channels that visually and orderly come to us. How do we, how do we move towards parasynthetic in that, in that environment? You know, it would be nice if we all had like eight hours a day to just be in parasympathetic and, mm -hmm. you know, be monks and, you know, chant and just be out in the sunshine and take hikes. And I definitely encourage that on a Saturday or, you know, at least once a month, take like a daycation, staycation, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, make it like a you day where you just get out in nature and, and have nothing to do. Don't look at your cell phone all day. I did that this past weekend and I'm a workaholic and it's powerful for your, for your nervous system. Your nervous system does need that reset. And like you're talking about, there's in the autonomic nervous system, there's parasympathetic, which is rest, digest, relax. And then there's uh, sympathetic, which is fight, flight, or freeze. And we're spending all this time to your point in this fight, flight or freeze mode. And I really feel like it's hustle, which is sympathetic. We need to be hustling sometimes, but we're in hustle and grind where we're sympathetic and ultra sympathetic. And over time that grind, like I said, is heat, is pieces breaking off. And it's like, you're always in a state of like vigilance. Sympathetic is meant so that you can survive. Yeah. And that's fine when there's, you know, animals that can kill you around, when you need to find food, when there's extreme things that are happening, we need to be in that mode. And yes, there's times in our work life where we need to chase things and hustle. But the whole point now, when we're not surviving for our lives like that, is that we should be in hustle and flow. We should get to flow states where we're literally like living our purpose, like where we're in the ultimate expression of our gifts. Mm -hmm. you, need, you need to heal 
and relax and rest and digest and all those things like in the parasympathetic and it doesn't take much. Here's an example. You wake up in the morning to map, 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 map. Your cortisol, your epinephrine are high. You roll out of bed, you're exhausted because you stayed up, you watched the game or you watch Game of Thrones or whatever and you, and you were up late. We're the only species that does this, by the way, that forces ourselves to stay up. And we roll out of bed, we're exhausted. Our neurons are actually firing slower because there's not enough energy. We're in a state of insufficient cellular energy in the brain. It's also called brain energy gap. And so we need that energy so quickly, our body is dying for it. So we're looking for sugar or caffeine. So monster Red Bull coffee, you know, donuts or pastries or whatever. And then we're like driving to work, fighting through traffic, and we're just exhausted, we're running late. I don't have the energy for today. I get to work, I'm checking all my messages, going down the email rabbit hole. They're telling us like we got stuff to do, we're already behind. And there's just so much more email to get through by now. I'm still exhausted. I'm just thinking, I gotta hang on till lunch. I go to lunch, I get a Coca-Cola and pizza because. I'm so exhausted. I don't have the energy to make decisions to be healthier, new decisions or better decisions. I just fall back on what's comfortable because I just got to make it through the day. And then you're hustling through more emails and you're, yeah, and then you go to the vending machine to get again, Coca-Cola, some M&Ms. I'm exhausted. You fight through traffic on the way back home. You lay down on the couch, you turn on the ball game or Game of Thrones and you're like, this is a hell of a day. If you give me 10 minutes, 10 minutes, here's the difference. The light gets slowly brighter in the room. The mm -hmm. chimes come in. The chimes get a little louder and a little closer together. I start arousing and awakening and I do some box breathing. Four seconds in, four second hold, four second out, four second hold. I'll do those several times. If you get better at it, you can do it a little bit longer. You can do it like up to eight seconds, maybe. So that's about 30 seconds, right? Like, and, you know, to a couple minutes. And then, and then I do some gratitude, the things that I'm thankful for while I'm still laying in bed. I'm so thankful that I have a job today. I'm thankful mm -hmm. that my dog is licking my face. I'm thankful that I have a house. I'm thankful for sunshine outside. I'm thankful for you know, all the friends that I have. Maybe I'll call one on the way to work. And then affirmations, because I'm changing the voice of that inner critic to the inner champion. I'm saying, Sean, you're beautiful. Sean, you're happy. Sean, you're amazing. Sean, you're going to crush it today. Sean, you're going to meet someone and have a huge impact on their life today. So I'm setting a tone for the day and I'm, and I'm also changing that voice inside my head. Mm -hmm. And then I get out of bed, I do some light stretching, move my body a little bit, and then get a full glass of water before you go get coffee or anything else, hydrate. And this is 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. and, and then, you know, on my way to work, maybe I, you know, call someone, I listen to a podcast, change that up a little bit. And when I get to work, I do deep work. Like both Cal Newport and Tim Ferriss talk about this, like knocking one big thing out at the beginning of the day and that from 8 a.m. to 10 a.m., let's say. 
and then I'm ahead. And then I check my emails. So now I've moved my body. I've hydrated. I've talked well to myself. I've had gratitude. I've done breath work. I've made it to work. I've knocked out a huge task for the day. I'm not distracted. Like during that huge task, I'm not looking at email. There's no Wi-Fi. There's no notifications on my phone. Nothing. It's two mm -hmm. hours of focused work. And now it's 10 a.m. This is usually my intermittent fasting eating window. Between 10 a.m. and 6, my eight hours of eating during the daylight hours and making sure that's when I eat, not during the night hours, which is bad for circadian rhythm. So from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m., I'm eating. So now I'm going to have something to eat. And I'm not grabbing pizza and Coca-Cola. I'm, I'm grabbing something that's good for me. Mm -hmm. And then maybe when everyone else is eating at noon to one, I'm taking a walk, you know? And it's like, how, how different is my day versus the other day? And all it really took was 10 minutes. Mm. It took 10 extra minutes. And it takes you going to bed at the right time every night. It's good sleep hygiene and your sleep fortress, which I get into in the book. So I had a couple of questions on that. One, one goes back to the beginning of that answer, which was around hustle and flow. And I think one of the research, um, one piece of the research that you cited in your book was around productivity at work. And I think the figure was two hours and 53 minutes was the productive time in this research had found it at work. Um, so clearly we were, the balance or the balance between hustle and, and flow wasn't met in, in the workplace the way it should be or need to needs to be. Is there an optimum balance between hustle and flow, between the sympathetic and the parasympathetic? Is it different for everyone? Is there something that is it something that everyone should be aiming towards, a figure or a percentage or a or a time? How do we identify when we should be hustling and when we should be flowing? Hmm. Yeah, it's, it, it's a balance of, yes, we need to be, and it's almost like uh, if you study like masculine and feminine energies, like there's masculine energy is doing, mm -hmm. but we're in like an ultra masculinized world where we're trapped into like doing all the time and we're trapped into what is it you do for a living and that becomes your identity instead of the person that you're being right? Who is it that you are? Are you allowing yourself to simply be? And that's the feminine energy. That's the healing energy. Like that's, that's really like the most important piece. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like when we're, there's times, like I said, we have to reach and go for it and chase it a little bit. But it's just like if you were chasing the girl all the time, if you're a guy or vice versa, if you're the, if you're the, um, if you're the girl and chasing the guy, but that's not healthy to always be in a perpetual state of, of chasing. Mm -hmm. and it's not going to be a healthy relationship. And it's true with your health, with yourself and your health is that you need to chase sometimes, but there's sometimes that you need to be chased. And that's when you're in the state of being, when you're allowing those energies to come into your life, when you're manifesting, when you're in a state of inner peace, yeah. you have that creative space. Like, I mean, if you look at like, like, yes, like some, you know, movie star or, or uh, musician or whatever. Yeah. They got to hustle. Sometimes they got to 
do some of these things, but they're also in their flow state when they're at their best. That's when they're, when they're being. And if you're not allowing that space, then there's no way that you'll have like all the success. Like it's a lie. The whole, like the Gary V thing is a lie that we get trapped into that it's like the, the capitalism lie, the harder you work, the more you'll get. It's not true. It's not true at all. The most successful people are not doing that. They're not actually working that hard all the time. There's spurts where they have to work hard. There was spurts that Elon Musk was sleeping at his factory when they were trying to hit a deadline and get these cars out. Yes. But there's also times when he's, you know, doing journeys <laughs> with plant medicine. And there's times when he's hanging out with Grimes and musicians and Dave Chappelle and Joe Rogan and, you know, and people like that. And they're laughing and they're, you know, they're relaxing. And, and that's when he's coming up with, well, what if I do this with an electric car? Yeah. You know, he's allowing space to be the creator, to be the visionary. Like the, the most successful people in the world need those flow states, need those vision states. And if you're not allowing for that, then you're not allowing yourself to be. What is the most important element in the energy formula? You know, as because it strikes me when I was reading through this, I was thinking, well, you, you've got to have the the strength or the power or the right frame of mind to to engage in exercise and nutrition. But then I was thinking, well, you've got to be exercising to start to facilitate the right shape of mind or frame of mind to engage or you've got to be eating the right vegetables to think more positively about the connections and those around you is there a priority order is there one element that that defines the ability to deliver the rest with efficiency or effectiveness yeah great questions um i you know it's interesting i i i mean my default answer might be obviously that they're all important and that's why I put them there but it's an interesting thought to think about to rank them I the book kind of goes from like most scientific and grounded like with experiment nutrition exercise and as it kind of goes on it's like it gives you what you want at the beginning kind of more biohacking and then towards the end it gets a little bit more uh ethereal or woo or what it's still scientific but like routines growth in your tribe gets like a little less scientific and a little bit spiritual uh life enriching kind of more perspective more subjective but I actually say that those parts are really the most important like it almost goes in in reverse order like where it's the most scientific and grounded at the beginning but i think those pieces are most important at the end like i said when, when you look at the blue zones or you look at this Harvard study, it's really about quality relationships. It's really about quality that's around you. And yes, like we've always looked at like in these blue zones, like the one or the Mediterranean food or something. And those things are cool. And, and I'm a nu nutrition guy. Like, I mean, those, those things are awesome, but it's, it, it, it's they're, they're slowing down. It's because they have purpose. It's because they have the connection and they're eating that food and wine with 10 people and they're eating it over three hours. Yes. And they're anchoring that psychosomatically, meaning that 
even if that food were, were almost un, it would actually be healthy to their bodies because they're anchored psychosomatically because when they're eating, they're relaxed. They can actually use that nutrition. Whereas with us, even if we're eating healthy foods, it might be triggering inflammation in unhealthy states because we've anchored eating and drinking with stress. Yes. We're going to the vending machine. We're getting it from the convenience. Stressful things on TV while we're eating. Like we don't actually take time to relax. So even healthy food, whole foods or whatever, body is actually connecting food and drink with stressful situations. So it might put you in a perpetual state of inflammation yeah. and sympathetic nervous system. So there's a huge difference between the way that these uh, blue zones are eating their food and drinking. And again, I, I think that's, that's the most important thing is that they have community. Yeah. And, you know, they get celebrated if they turn 100. Like, they look forward to that. They're not, like, discardable mm -hmm. and old. Yep. And, and that they have their why. They don't just retire there. Like, they, they're, not, they're not all about the doing. They're also about the being. And yes. they're appreciated. Yeah. And so the fact that they're living their passion, that they're appreciated, that they're connected, those are the most important things. It's not as sexy scientifically as me talking about cold berberine and el beba and and you know intraset stretching and all the stuff i talk about in the book and blood flow training all these kinds of things but those are probably the most important pieces according to the data yes and sean i just wanted to to end the podcast with a with a personal question you state in your book at no other time in human history has the choice been clearer we can either succumb to fear or we can engage with our higher selves. And my hope for you is that it is not the former, for as Brazilian novelist Paulo Coelho said, don't give in to your fears. If you do, you won't be able to talk to your heart. We must finally stop and ask, is this the life I want for myself? And Sean, you have had your physical and mental health challenges throughout your life that you've had to overcome and they are well documented in your book. So I wanted to ask you now to paraphrase Paulo Coelho, do you now talk to your heart free of fear? And if you do, what does it tell you about your life now? You know, one, I feel like I'm in a much better place than I, than I used to be when I lived with a lot of fear and I, and I worked from scarcity but I've definitely moved into an abundant space, but I will tell you that it's a practice and it's, yes. it's, it's something that I have to do every day. And I have stress and I fall back on old patterns at times, you know, just launching this book is difficult and how challenging and ironic is that, that I'm launching a book about energy and well-being, and it can be draining at times mm -hmm. because I have full-time work and I'm, you know, doing all these podcasts and, and all the promotion around it. And that can be exhausting. And so that's a very difficult dance and, and yes. life happens during this period of time of my book launch. I've also had 
a number of uh, business situations that have come up that have been very trying and relationship things that have been trying and and it's it's not easy it is not easy so it's a continued practice but that will make you stronger that's the resilience component of it is that it's an idea of challenged and then homeostasis where you have balance yes so we're in perpetual states of of being challenged and then being balanced and that's how you grow and reach new levels of balance and so i i love the the beauty of of life and how the human body works and how that's need to be challenged to grow so that we can have more balance and peace and so for me uh i do believe it's true that the majority of the time I am chasing my heart it challenges me in a good way. I'm so proud of where I'm at. And like I said, the book kept evolving as a result of it. And I'm so glad it did. That was a challenge itself. I rewrote it three times and re-recorded it. Yeah. And so that's a challenge, but it, I'm more happy it is now. Now I feel like it fully represents me and is in the best, best position to help other people. So that's a, it's a beautiful dance uh, that I believe. Like, the, like I mentioned in the book, the obstacle is the way. Like I don't wish for no obstacle. I don't wish for a shortcut around the obstacle. I begin to cherish the obstacle because that's the journey. That's where we find our, ourselves. That's where we find our purpose, our passion is through the obstacle. Yeah. So that's the beauty of it. Very wise words upon which to end the podcast. Sean, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Paul. Thank you for having me on. Thank you. If you've enjoyed today's podcast, please do take a moment to rate us or review us. We genuinely appreciate it. And if you'd like to subscribe to the new PL and keep up to date with the latest news or purchase Sean's brilliant book, just go to principlesandleadership.com. And just before we go, finally, once again, a thank you to the sponsor of this mini series, The Carol Consultancy. Please check out the links in the notes that accompany this podcast. And if this is your first introduction to the new PL, please also check out the other podcast series we have. The new PL Conversations with Inspirational Business Leaders and Entrepreneurs, titled The New PL Deep Discussions, which we publish each Wednesday, or our new PL to the Point, which is our Friday 10-minute analysis and summary of the big weekly interview. So I'm Paul, host of the new PL. Thank you once again for listening to the April episode of the new PL Business Book Review Club. Have a great day and speak soon.